Welcome to Big Rich Brock and Friends. Big Rich brings his clean comedy and storytelling to the weekly podcast that is laugh out loud and funny with a side of inspiration. Here is your host, Big Rich Brock. Hi, I'm Rich Brock with Big Rich Brock Comedy. Thanks for tuning in today to my podcast. Hope you're having a great day, start of the week, middle of the week. End of the week, wherever you're at, man, just be encouraged today. We're going to have a good time for a few minutes. Going to talk to you about where I've been and some upcoming shows and just talk about my life right now doing stand-up and being a comedian. Right now, I've been doing this for about 16 months. And if you're new to the show and the program, I was a pastor. Come on, somebody, for 25-plus years. I pastored in churches from 50 people to 3,500 people. I've worked in two mega churches in my life, and I've planted two churches. And I have been out of the pulpit for many years now. The last church I pastored was in 2016. And then I went through COVID like all of us. And in the midst of that, I began writing comedy I'd always written out stories and written bits for my sermons. And all of my life, I've wanted to do comedy. And I felt like it was something, you know, I was wittiest in my class. Gordon Lee High School, class of 1986, Chickamauga, Georgia. Now, there was only 106 of us. So that meant I was the funniest out of probably 53 men or guys. But I've always liked comedy, and I've always been able to make my family laugh, make my friends laugh, and in my church services, I brought a lot of laughter. That might be why I don't preach anymore. I did more laughing laughing than I did preaching, but I have fun, and I have pursued comedy. I showed up at a brewery-slash-winery in Cartersville, Georgia, And I approached them and said, and I was a customer there. And I'm like, have y'all ever done comedy? I know you do music. You do a crappy I mean, a karaoke night. What about comedy? They said, no, we've never done it, but we've thought about it. I said, what's your slowest night? They said, well, Wednesday we close at six. So that would be, I said, how about staying open till nine? Let me do a comedy show from 7 to 8.30, and let's see what happens. They're like, let's do it. I said, what can you pay me? They said, nothing. I said, how about if I sell tickets? And I keep the ticket money, and y'all keep the food and drink money. They're like, sure. Biggest question I had in my mind was how much to charge for a ticket. Because if it's free, that makes you go, well, it must not be worth nothing. Then I thought five bucks. And my ex-wife said, well, if they'll pay five, they'll pay 10. And I thought, 10 bucks. Let's try it. That first show, I advertised on my Facebook. I made a flyer. I gave out a few at my networking groups for my day job and put them up there in town. And the place held 45 people. And I had 47 people come that first night. And I fell in love with comedy all over again. The first open mic I did, I was a nervous wreck. 
It reminded me of my first experience doing something else at 16, and that wasn't driving a car. Come on, somebody. I got through with that open mic. I heard the same thing I heard when I was 16 years old. I heard you've only got four minutes to complete. I only needed two minutes for completion. And when I got done, I said the same thing to her that I said at open mic to the club owner. I know I can do better if you'll let me do it again. And I can't wait to get another opportunity. And I did three or four open mics, and then I decided to turn pro, put on my own show, and that was 90-plus shows ago that I've headlined, promoted, and put on throughout North Georgia, Atlanta, Chattanooga, and have been able to travel into some areas that I didn't even know existed until I got into comedy. And after nine months of doing my comedy, I got a opportunity from Dry Bar out in Provo, Utah, the number one clean comedy network in the world, reached out to me and asked if I would like to be on season 12 of Dry Bar. That was in my plans for my first five years. That was on my vision board, and it came to pass in nine months. I birthed it nine months, went out there, did my show, and they told me I did well, and they'd be in touch. And lo and behold, I met people that had done dry bar, and they never released it. It just wasn't what they were looking for. So then I began to wonder. I reached back out, and the awesome people at dry bar who I met there and felt like I've known them all my life were like, Big Rich, you did awesome. We are editing it now, and we're going to be releasing your program, and we look forward to having you back for another season down the road. So that will be being released here very very soon. You can uh, purchase your Drybar app at Drybar Plus. It's the best $30, $40 a year you're going to spend because you're going to get unlimited clean comedy that's very funny by great comedians, and the product is top of the line the work they do there's top of the line so i've done that i've started you know i produce my own show and i'm filling up and selling out 75 to 80 percent of the wineries and breweries and restaurants that i do comedy and now it's time to figure out what's next with it and my goal is to do full-time comedy and to travel and make people laugh, give people hope, some inspiration, and uh, let them find some, for the younger people, to kind of get a history lesson of what it was like to grow up in the 1900s, and for those that are my age and older, to reminisce about some of the great memories that they've had and to laugh along the way. Everything from the joining the Columbia House Record Club to the first movie I went and saw in the theater, Smokey and the Bandit, with my mom and daddy, to concerts that I went to. I got a contact high at four years old in the Omni in Atlanta here in Three Dog Night. So just all kinds of things that we could talk about. But today in the podcast, I'm, I'm kind of talking about the whole comedy. I meet people that have been at this a while, and I've been very blessed to meet some folks that have been on last comic standing that travel and do comedy 
full-time, some do part-time, some promote shows like I do, and there's a lot of good people out there. And then you decide to do clean comedy. And just so you know, when I say clean comedy, I don't throw out the F-bomb. I don't curse. I might say one or two curse words, but they're things you'd find in the Bible. (laughs) And they're normally out of the mouth of a child when I was little Richie growing up. I'm not one just to cuss to fill a void when something's not funny. Now, I like all kinds of comedy, and I respect the art of it. And I can do that. And there's times, there's I, trust me, there's times I'd like to. But I found what I'm called to do, what I'm comfortable doing, and what I feel like I do well. And that's doing clean comedy. But like my ex-wife said, you know, you're kind of like, she said, your comedy's kind of like the Golden Girls. And I thought, well, I don't know if I like that till I watched the Golden Girls one time. And she said this. I said, you know, you're right, because those women will talk about sex for 30 minutes, and you don't even know it unless you've had it before. So that's the way I feel sometimes with my comedy, and I talk about growing up. I talk about dating in my 50s because I'm a single, divorced dad of three, and I laugh and I joke because in my town, I'm officially a local celebrity. And that right there with a dollar will get you, I guess, maybe half a cup of coffee today. At Starbucks, it'll get you a quarter cup of coffee. But I enjoy it. And a lot of shows I do are in my region, you know, within 50 miles to 100 miles. That's where most of my shows are right now. And I'm looking to spread out and go out to the next 100 miles. And most of the venues that I do are 50, 60 people or less, and I'm selling those out 80, 85% of the time, and I'm looking to expand that, to grow that. I do a lot of wineries and breweries. I didn't drink for 26 years, and I find myself in more wineries and breweries. Well, Big Rich, do you drink now? Yeah, I drink on occasion. You know, I like to drink. I'm a social drinker. I'm not one to drink every day. But I do enjoy it. I laugh. One of my favorite venues is Big Door Vineyards in White, Georgia, uh, right off the interstate there, I-75, exit 290. Give them a little shout out. And I laugh because, number one, it's a beautiful venue. Even if you don't like comedy, you need to go by there or live music and just see the place. And they've got some great muscadines and a lot of great wines. And I do my show out there. And they always pour me a glass of wine. And I'm out there one night, and I'm doing an hour set. And every time I go back to get a sip of my wine, I don't realize it, but it's full. And I'm thinking, man, this is like Jesus up in here. This wine's getting filled up every time I turn around. I didn't realize that the owner of the place, every time I would move out into the crowd, because I'm an old Pentecostal preacher. I got to move around in my comedy sometimes. And lo and behold, he would fill my glass up. I probably had five glasses of wine during that hour set, but I still did clean comedy. So come on, somebody. That was good. But I love that place. And the owner and I were talking, and he's like, Rich, you've got this figured out. 
Now what's next? So if you're out there today and you're doing comedy or you want to do comedy or whatever it is you do, you've got to start somewhere. The biggest thing I wish I wouldn't have done is waited. I waited till I was 54 years old to pursue this dream. But I'm in it full force. I got a call back to America's Got Talent. I did not make this season, but I got a call back. That was a great boost in my confidence. And they told me, we've already got a middle-aged white guy doing comedy, but we really enjoyed what you did, and you got us to call you back. And that doesn't happen every day. I got the invitation to be on Dry Bar Season 12, and that was a blessing in a major way. I've been able to do the shows that I'm doing, but all that started because I walked into that first venue and offered to do a show and took a chance and called in favors and got people to come to the show. I do more marketing, promoting, producing, set up and tear down. And as I say in ministry, I used to say you're, um, <laughs> you're shaking babies and kissing hands, you know, like politicians doing everything I can to make people have a good experience and the, uh, the place, the venue have the same. So it's a lot of work and you got to be willing to work. And in anything you do, man, whether it's business or it's comedy or ministry, you got to connect with people. And that's probably what I've learned is my biggest strength. Other than my, you know, handsome, good looks. Come on, somebody. No, I know I've learned how to connect with people. And if you'll do that, people have a tendency to listen to you more if you say hello to them before a show or before a message. I've been in those churches where the pastor or the minister is like, I can't talk to people because I'm anointed of God and nobody can disrupt that before I go and stand up and preach. I get a little bit of that because normally in church world, like anywhere else, 80% of the aggravation comes from 20% of the people. Everybody else is easy to go in, happy, go lucky, but man, there's about 20%. They'll drive you batshit crazy. They're nuts. Same thing at Walmart, same thing at the grocery store, same thing at the comedy club, anywhere you go, maybe in your family. So you've got to learn how to deal with that. I did a show when I first got started, a uh, couple guys put a show together and they're good guys. And, and it was in Calhoun, Georgia, and they had a dozen comics on the card. I don't do many shows like that, not because I don't like people and like being a part it's because I need time. I'm a storyteller. I'll wrap 15 jokes into 35 minutes of stories. And those kind of shows, you're getting seven, eight minutes. But I did them because, one, I liked those guys. And, two, it was a good opportunity at the time. So I'm there, and I'm doing the show with these other guys. And there's one lady. You know her. Lord, I, you might have used to been married to her, for all I know. But this lady wasn't from the area she was from out west this little state called california she was visiting she was drunk by four o'clock and she was visiting family and every comedian that came up she talked during their set she talked to them and most of them talked back to her or got distracted the guy that went up before me my and, and he's a buddy he's a good guy he's uh 
he's out in Vegas now and pursuing his dream. And he does a different kind of comedy than I do. You know, most, most of them that night did. I do clean. They don't. He gets up and she says something and he drops the F-bomb at her. And then she drops the F-bomb at him. Then he fires it back. And then she stands up. And she fires it back. And for eight minutes, they cussed each other out. And he just walked off the stage. And the host comes up and he goes, now our next comic is Big Rich Brock. Give him a hand. How'd you like to follow that mess? Well, I came out. I said my first joke. She said something I didn't really hear. And then I said I used to be a pastor for 25 plus years. And something triggered her when I said that. She got up and she walked out of the room and she went outside. I don't know if what happened. But I know this, when she got up, started walking out, those 90 people in that show all watched her walk out. And the first thing that popped in my head, I said, I said, hey, guys, it's all right. It's Saturday night. She's had a great time, but she's got to get to the house because she's got to get some rest. She's teaching Sunday school in the morning down here at First Baptist. And when I said it, everybody got it. Everybody laughed. They chuckled. They clapped because she was a handful and she stayed outside my whole set. I delivered my time. It went well. I got a good shout out, round of applause. I come down. She comes back in, starts back on the next comic. Is it because I'm that good of a comic? No, I don't know what happened. I'm just glad it did. And what I'm saying is when you do these things, you're, you're going to deal with some of that. You're going to deal with being tired. You're going to deal, you know, you guys pursuing music or a side business that you want to do full time. You're working a full time job. Then you're pursuing this over the last year. I've went from a full time employee that aspired to do comedy or business owner to a part time employee of a business and i'm pursuing comedy full-time it took me a while to be able to say that i'm a comedian i remember the first check somebody handed me for doing a 15-minute set at a a new age dog park in atlanta georgia i got it i I got hired to come out there and do 20 minutes and they gave me 25 dollars. and when i saw that check i thought hey i'm being paid to do comedy Come on, somebody. But then as I started getting paid every show and I started producing my own shows, it took me a little while to be able to be confident and say, hey, I'm a comedian. And some people might say, well, I don't think you're that funny. That's why comedy is an art form, just like anything else. Not everybody likes everybody's style of music, but I respect anybody that can play and is put in the effort to do it. You know, maybe not Yoko. No, I'm teasing. Not really. But you've not, not, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Nobody ever will be. But I love what I'm doing and I appreciate the people that get it, that enjoy it and have fun with it. And I joke around in doing this because in my neck of the woods, and I teased earlier that I'm a, I'm a local celebrity and I bring it up in the show and it gets a chuckle. But I remember the first show that I did that I talked about earlier. 
The next night, my ex-wife and I went to a brewery down the street. They had a good food truck there that had crab cakes. Come on now. And I was like, man, let's go down there and get some of those. So we go, and we're in line because there was a pretty deep line, maybe a dozen people. And then this woman comes up to me, and she's attractive. And she's it's summertime, you know. She's wearing shorts and a top, you know, spaghetti spaghetti string top, and had a few drinks in her. And she comes up to me, and she's like, Rich, are you at the end of the line? And I looked around. I said, I guess we are. And she came up to me, and she put her hand on my arm. (laughs) And you ladies know what that means. You better watch out. That's my man. And she's like, oh, it's great to see you. She goes, how are your shows going? I've only had one at the time. I said, they're going well. Thank you. And then I I said, I hope you have a good night. I turned around. And my wife at the time, who wasn't a big cusser, unless she's really mad at me. She said, well, who the hell is that? And I said, well, I don't know. You know, I'm a local celebrity now. I'm a comedian. (laughs) And man, she got mad and she got ticked off. And I said, listen, I'm kidding you. That woman is the treasurer of our HOA. She lives six houses down from us. I see her at the mailboxes when we get the mail. If you ever went outside, you'd met her and was be sociable. You'd have met her before. So that's my joke about being a local celebrity. You know, in my mind, I thought, man, everybody's going to know who I am now because I do a comedy show. But they don't, and they still don't. But on the other side of it, what's been fun, and I appreciate my good friend that I mentioned, Ray Parker at Big Door Vineyards, White, Georgia, exit 290, right off I-75. He said, Big Rich, people like you. You need to get some merch. You need to get a T-shirt. I was like, I wouldn't even know where to start. He goes, you see that woman sitting over here in your show, her and her man? She owns a company that that's what she does for a living. She does all of our merch. He goes, go ask her. She was honored to help me. Still does all my products today and does a great job. And I appreciate her so much. Shout out to Carrie. And uh, I laugh because I was like, who's going to wear one? Who's going to buy one? Who's going to spend $25 for a big, rich T-shirt? So I asked her how much they were. She told me, and she goes, now, to get a discount, you got to buy this many. I said, well, I'm all about a discount. Let me see if I can do it. I bankrolled them myself. I'd sold. People ask me how I got started in this. Man, I used to have the prettiest fun car. You say, what's a fun car? That's a car you have for fun, people. When my mom and dad passed, they left me a little money. And my daddy left me. He passed a year after my mother, the love of his life. And my father took care of everything. He wrote notes and letters and was meticulous. But there was an envelope that had my name and it said personal on it. Rich, personal. And it was a letter, like a card. And he wrote a letter with it. And it basically said, take this and do something for you. Not the boys. I have three children that I love immensely. Don't let your ex-wife find out about it. Come on, somebody. Don't give it away. I want you to treat yourself to something that's strictly for your benefit. Just to enjoy. Have fun. And I looked, and it was $10,000 in that card. 
And man, I mulled it over for a few months and I was looking around and I found a convertible hard top BMW. Little widow woman owned it, needed to sell it. I bought it and man, I was out there enjoying life, having a time. And it was beautiful, and I loved it and had fun with it. I miss it today because it's a sunny, hot day here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But my point, if you've ever owned a sports car, especially a foreign one, they're not cheap to repair or to maintain. And I was spending money that I didn't need to be spending to maintain it and do all this. And when I decided I wanted to pursue comedy, I got a letter from Uncle Sam about something on my tax return from two years prior in my 55 years i'd only been audited that one time and it wasn't even really an audit it was a it was a something my former accountant had missed and i owed the government twenty five hundred dollars and i thought i need to pay that i had it but i didn't want to take that out to pay it plus i'm trying to pursue comedy so I decided to sell my fun car. I told my my wife, now ex-wife, hey, I'm going to CarMax, and I need you or one of the kids to pick me up if you would. I'll call you when it's time. She goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm selling my car, and I'm pursuing my dream. So I went down there, sold it, paid the taxes, drove across the street to the Guitar Center, bought a PA sound equipment, I went, bought those first rounds of T-shirts, and then I went and bought a computer and a printer to do my flyers, and I began the world of comedy. That's how I started, and that was almost 100 shows ago. But in doing that, I laugh because I meet people, and I have fun, and I was teasing the producer of this today. He's like, how's your dating life now that you're a local celebrity? I said, well, I get tickled because they tell me my median age sometimes in my shows that sell out are uh, women that are like 40 to 100. <laughs> you know, and I think they're more on the, uh, the little more mature side because I tell stories about growing up. And I'm not there to date. I'm there to entertain. But on occasion, I've met people and we'll go out and this and that. And I tease because I had... My friend, who's my cuts my hair, and she comes to a lot of my shows, and I appreciate her very much. She's a good friend. And I laugh because I call her the hairstylist to the local celebrity when she's at my shows, and I always give her a shout-out, and uh, it's just fun, and I play with it and just tease. But I was getting my hair cut once. And afterwards, she called me or texted me, and she said, man, you these women down here loved your hair. And your smile thought you were so funny. Some of them want to come to your show. And she goes, you've been the topic of conversation down here for the last hour. I was like, come on, somebody. I was like, my gosh, I got on the Facebook and looked up her hair salon. And I saw the women that worked down there. And I was like, my God, that's some good looking women down there. Pretty women. I was like, I need to I text her back. And I said, we need to do a show and invite all them. And uh, y'all buy a table and have them all there. She goes, we'll do it. I said, man, I can't believe it. That's awesome. And old Big Rich is thinking, man, look at all these uh, beautiful women that are talking about my show and talking about all this. 
And I was just, you know, grinning and laughing, cutting up. And then my hairstylist said, what are you all about? I said, well, you told me all these women were talking about me and I've got to pursue it. And she says, don't you remember the last haircut you got from me? And I said, yeah, but see what she does part time is she cuts hair over at the assisted living center for the senior citizens. And she told me I was going out of town to do my dry bar special. And I needed a quick haircut before I got there. She says, I'm not working in the salon. Just come by there and I'll cut it real quick. So the women that were talking about me were all 80 and older. But in my mind, it was all those 30 and 40 year olds. People, that's what the world's like for a middle-aged man uh, with social media and being a local celebrity. In my mind, I thought it was all these hot women down here at the hair salon. And in reality... It was some Alzheimer patients over here at the assisted living center, but they're sweet women and I appreciate them greatly. And some of my good friends that come to my shows, they're good friends now because I met them through comedy. They love coming out, being a part. And one of them is just one of the sweetest women you're going to find. And, and she's a little bit older than, than me and a sweet woman. And I just think the world of her and she brings her friends and brings people to come to my shows and they just have the best time. And they got their wine on one night, and there's about 10 of them, and they're giggling in my show, and I'm talking, and all of a sudden, and they say to me they're my groupies, that they're big, rich groupies. They even write it on their table for the waitress. And during the show, I said, now listen, y'all don't realize what a groupie is. Y'all need to Google that because y'all are thinking roadies. Y'all are thinking y'all want to help me set up and tear down and promote the show and all that. You're thinking the wrong thing. And then one of these liquored up 70-something-year-old women said, Big Rich, we know exactly what a groupie is, baby. And for the first time in my comedy career, I was speechless. And I turned red, and I thought, oh, my Lord, what have I got myself into? And I had fun with it. And when you do these things, you've got to realize, and there's all kinds of comedy. But when you come to a Big Rich show, as you can probably already tell, it's personal. It's intimate. We have fun. Whether there's 50 people or 5,000, you're going to learn things about me. I'm not going to, I'm not one. People will come and they'll say, hey, my brother's here tonight. Make fun of him. I mean, just the fact that he's your brother, he's probably been made fun of enough for that reason. I'm not there to make fun of people. I'll make fun of myself or my family or situation. There's a time or two I might if I've got to put somebody in their place. You know, I had a guy one night that wouldn't shut up, and he had been drinking a good bit, and it was his birthday, and he was maybe 35, I'm guessing. I'm old enough to know better. And he kept talking, and I was like, listen, has anybody ever done an open mic before? 99% of the people that go to comedy shows have never done an open mic. Nobody raised their hand. I said, listen, y'all need to be quiet. Listen to the pro. You know, you might learn something tonight. And this guy chimed in. I would like to. Could I do tonight? I'm ready. And I, I looked at him. And the first thing that popped in my head, I was like, well, I tell you what. If you bought your own ticket to get in here, I'll give you four minutes right now. Because I looked at his table, and I could tell that his mom and daddy in their 70s probably bought his way in there and was paying for his tab because he just had that look. 
and they all busted out laughing. All nine of them busted out laughing at that table of 10 because they knew he did not pay, pay for his ticket. And I said, listen, mama's boy, you sit down there and listen and have fun and let me entertain you. And that, that was about it. I don't do much of that stuff. I focus on entertaining people and telling a story and tying it all together. But in doing comedy, you come out, you'll have a good time, be a part of what we're doing. We have a lot of fun. One of the things I really enjoyed, I was in Ringo, Georgia, doing a show recently. And the first time I was there, I had my merch, sold some T-shirts. They invited me back on a monthly basis. It's at Caffeine Addicts, downtown Ringo, Georgia. I do a clean comedy show there once a month. I came back the following month. We sold out. There were 60 people there. 15 of them had on their big, rich comedy T-shirt that they'd bought the month before. They wore it to the show. I went and saw Dusty Slay in Atlanta, Georgia. I sat front row, center stage. I think I paid $42 for my ticket. He sold the place out to 1,000 people. And I watched people as they come in. And they were wearing his T-shirts. They were wearing their trucker hats. There were people even dressed in costumes portraying some of his bits and some of his stories. And when I saw these 15 people in Ringo, Georgia, wearing their Come On Somebody, Big Rich, Enjoy Life T-shirt, I went back into the back room, the green room, or we call the men's room in these small venues. I went back there. I locked the door. And I cried because it touched me. I was like, this thing is happening. This thing, that might seem small to you. But for me, that was a confirmation. You can do this and you're doing the right thing. Now, whatever it is you do, if it's raising your children, if it's running your own business, if it's being a model mother, a preacher, a student, whatever it is, Those are the kind of moments you have to rehearse your victories. There's a guy in the Bible named David. He he defeated somebody, a big giant named Goliath. And you might know the story, but when David defeated Goliath, the Bible says that he had first fought a bear, and he had fought a lion, and he had defeated both of them and killed them. And what David did before he faced that uncircumcised Philistine, you can Google that and see what that means. He reminded himself of what God and him had already accomplished. He rehearsed his victories. Before I do my 100th show, I've rehearsed those first 99. Before I did this podcast, I rehearsed my victories and what I've done before that's been successful. Take time, instead of being so consumed about what you can't control, take time to rehearse your victories, and it'll build your faith. And you'll be able to do some great exploits. Man, I want to thank you guys for being a part of the podcast. Big Rich and Friends is coming to you. We've got shows all around Chickamauga, Chattanooga, Cartersville, Rock Mart, Atlanta, all over. We're headed to Chattanooga, Tennessee to do a big show that's getting ready to come up here. I want you to please do two things for me. Number one, if you're a Facebook person, Follow my page, Big Rich Brock Comedy. If you'll do that, it'll also have all my events, shows, uh, the same thing on my website, 
BigRichBrock.com or BigRichBrockComedy.com. If you'd like to order a T-shirt, I've got two styles available. I got uh, they're the softest T-shirts you're going to find. They're $25 a piece. You can get one via the website, or you can reach out to me via Facebook. We'll get you taken care of. Uh, we run sizes small to big boy, big girl. So you just let me know what you need. They don't shrink. These are the real deal. Uh, I always joke. I said, these things are high quality. This isn't that made in China stuff. These are straight out of Pakistan, baby. I don't know where they're made, but I know they're great T-shirts and that Carrie takes good care of me. But I hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your day. Take a moment and smile and laugh. Find yourself a big, rich comedy show, and I look forward to seeing you. And let a friend know about this podcast, and let's grow this thing together. Have an awesome day. God bless. You've been listening to another episode of Big Rich Brock and Friends. For more information and past shows, go to our website, bigrichbrockcomedy.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.